Welcome to the Competitive 40K Podcast, brought to you by Vanguard Tactics. It's our mission to help you play, progress, and perform at this incredible game of Warhammer 40K, keeping sportsmanship and fair play at its absolute core. I'm your host, Dave Colmel, a cyborg sent back in time to protect the future from the ravages of technology run amok. With me to explore these forbidden technologies is my good friend and a coach from Vanguard Tactics, an advanced cyborg himself who can change his shape to imitate anything he touches, though he continues to instead take the shape of the handsomest man in 40K. He's the T-1000 to my T-101, Mr. Jake Harding. Jake, how's it going? I think um, I'm doing quite well on the Competitive 40K podcast so far because I think I'm free for free on the references anyway. One of them was the same reference <laughs> from before. Yeah, one of them being the same one twice. Yeah, but so that was obviously Terminator. So yeah. Um, yes. Yeah, no, one of my favorite films. So that's good. Um, yeah, I'm doing super good. Um, really excited to be able to talk about the Adeptus Mechanicus today. First time I'm not talking about Votan with you, which is going to feel a bit strange. Um, yes. But yeah, I'm really looking forward to getting into this, getting stuck in with everything AdMech, I guess. Awesome. Uh, as Jake mentioned, we're going to be talking about the AdMech Index cards for 10th edition. Uh, as always, we have a huge thank you to Games Workshop for sending us preview copies of all the indices. Um, these episodes, we're getting them out fast and furious uh, these, these couple of weeks. Uh, and it would not be possible without GW's trust and confidence in us. So thank you to them. Uh, and before we get into the content, let's uh, stop and acknowledge our first sponsor, The Outpost. The Competitive 40K Podcast is proudly supported by The Outpost, your friendly local gaming store with the most helpful and friendliest of staff. After visiting The Outpost, I was taken aback by the whole host of products available in-store and online. With awesome discounts, gaming tables and a huge range of terrain for different game systems, The Outpost is certainly a great place to hang out and hobby. Check out www.the-outpost.co.uk or go and visit them in-store. All right, thank you, ladies and gentlemen. Please like, share, subscribe. Uh, leave us a five-star review if you would be so kind. Uh, and uh, let's get into the Adeptus Mechanicus. Um, Jake, what's the, uh, you know, people in ninth edition had a very broad range of experiences with AdMech because, you know, they came out of the gate real strong early in ninth and then they got nerfed and then they got over-nerfed and then they got brought back and they kind of went back and forth. So what's what should people expect with the 10th the edition version? So I think the motto of 40k 10th edition, correct me if I'm wrong, Dave, is simplified, not simple, is it? Yep, that's yeah. correct. That's what they said on Warcom. This is probably the biggest <laughs> uh, showing of that in the Adeptus Mechanicus Index because I, in my personal opinion, the old Adeptus Mechanicus Codex for 9th edition was quite a complicated codex. There was a lot of layers in there. There was lots of steps you had to do to get to certain places and some that ignored those steps, some that didn't. This is very not stripped back, but it's very it's a lot simpler to be able to do these things. Um, in terms of what you're to expect, a lot of shooting, a lot of vehicles. Um, probably for you know, I don't think anyone's surprised to maybe hear that if you know about the Adeptus Mechanicus and the law. Um, and yeah, really, like they they're you know they've got some really cool little tricks and stuff which I'm going to go through. One of which is probably my favorite unit in all of Tenth Edition so far that I found. Um, and yeah, that you like more than the Votan Hearthguard? That's going to be a t that is a tall order. No pun intended. Yeah, <laughs> it is a top shelf one. Um, yeah, genuinely, yeah, he is, but he's very niche, and um, I think it, when it goes off, it goes off, and you'll see why. But um, yeah, I don't want to spoil too much because there's going to be a whole section about this guy. <laughs> so yeah. yeah, 
And I agree with you absolutely that ADMAC was definitely one of the highest skilled, most complex armies to play in ninth edition, um, largely in, in part due to their doctrine imperatives and a lot of the, the orders and things that you could do for the for your army every turn. But they boiled that down. And that's actually what the, the army rule is now, right? Yeah. So, so we've talked we've talk about army rule. We'll just sort of go straight into it, I guess. Um, fantastic segue, Dave. I knew, I knew you're not only the most, you're not only the most handsome podcast host I know, you are the most handsome podcast host ever. Thank you, sir. Um, that's okay. Um, so the Doctrina Imperative is the army rule. So this is split into two parts. So at the start of the battle round, you declare which one is going to be active for your army, and then you get certain buffs. So the Protector Imperative is all of your ranged weapons now gain the heavy keyword which means that while you remain stationary, you are plus one to hit. In addition to that, while an enemy ranged attack targets you while you're in your own deployment zone, you worsen the AP characteristic of that weapon by one. So to reiterate, heavy on all your weapons, minus one AP if you're in deployment zone. Um, I think this is really solid, uh, really solid little imperative. Again, I'll go through it a bit more in a second, but because we do have a second one, and that's the Conqueror Imperative. So how this one works is it's like the opposite of the protector. So all of your weapons gain assault. So it means you can advance and shoot all of your guns. Um, in addition to that, each time you make a ranged attack that targets a unit in the enemy's deployment zone, now within, not wholly within, is the key thing here, um, you gain plus one AP. Seems really good, right? Uh, so yeah. really, really, really solid. I think it is. Uh, so the ability to be able to know that if you're going to go second, you can activate this and worsen the AP of your opponent's guns by one, which can be quite good, especially in 9th edition, as we've seen so far, with a lot of AP manipulation. And then, and then you yourself will have heavy, which benefits you sort of standing still. Again, if we look at the Conqueror one, Assault, so advance and shoot. Also be able to advance and do certain mission cards as well, because you'll be still eligible to shoot. is quite good on those small little units. And then the plus one AP when shooting your opponent's super good. Um, the only thing I don't like about this is the... You sort of are going to naturally, like, it's probably fair to say that, you know, if you go second, you'd probably use the protector imperative anyway, right, in, in a lot of cases. But one of the sort of criticisms that I've seen about this and that I also personally feel is that it's a bit too predictable. So, so by picking the imperative you're going to go, you're sort of telling your opponent what you're going to be doing that turn, whether you're going to be standing still and doing a lot of shooting or you're going to be running forward and doing a lot of assault stuff. Um, so I guess like, I don't know how you would fix that though, because you need it to be at the start of the battle round because otherwise then you don't get it in your opponent's turn, which is when you would need the protector imperative. I don't know. I, I think, um, I still think it's really good. I, as I said, as an army rule, as, as an army rule goes, I still think it's super good. Um, but yeah, that would be my one critique with it is that it does sort of tell it, tell you're sort of telling your opponent your plan for your turn in their turn potentially yeah it's a little telegraphy but you know i mean somewhat pretty see when i was reading it over my thought was all right somewhat predictably you're probably going to start turn one with protector imperative because you're gonna you basically your whole army gets armor of contempt basically mm. while they're in your own deployment zone which is great so turn one you're going to go with that which is great it's fantastic i mean ap's already been reduced across the board like you mentioned um for just about every weapon in the game so adding an additional AP, you're going to really ramp up your survivability first turn, whether you go first or second. All right, it is what it is. After that, 
it's kind of going to come down to, it's not so much, am I going to stand still and shoot? Am I going to advance and charge? That's the, the first part of these imperatives. But the second part, I think, is the more interesting one, which is, am I going to be in my own deployment zone more or am I planning on being in my opponent's deployment zone? Yeah. Because if I'm, that's, I mean, that's, it's that second clause of each one that's going to kind of dictate which one you pick. Am I going to benefit? Am I, am I getting up in my opponent's face in, enough that it's going to be worthwhile to sacrifice that armor of contempt? to then improve my own AP because I'm in my own, the tar- or at least my targets are in my opponent's deployment zone. So I think, I don't know, I feel like if you're, if you're, you're yes, you're telegraphing, but at that point, you've already moved probably into a position where you're going to want the extra AP because you're going to be shooting a lot of stuff that's in your opponent's deployment zone. Yeah. You've moved around terrain a little bit. It's kind of obvious, so who cares? Yeah, yeah this, is the, this is the thing. I think you've hit the nail on the head there, Dave, is, is that, you know, I think if you're going second, it's pretty obvious you would go protector imperative anyway, um, because of that like reactionary. Obviously, from battle round two onwards, it could be slightly different. But then when we look at conquer imperative, if you're going first, that's also really solid to go as well, because that gives you a bit of a first turn alpha strike, allowing you to advance all your units, shoot with no penalty, and then in addition to that, having an extra AP against anything in your opponent's deployment zone, which you're going to have to think is going to be a lot of units because it's first turn. Um, right. So yeah. So again, I still think it's a great army rule, and from using it uh, over the stream weekend we did, and just a few games as well that I've managed to play with the Adeptus Mechanicus, um, I still think it's. I still think it has a lot of use, and you do also unlock st- some stratagems depending on which one you're in. Which again, we'll go through in the stratagem section of the review, but um, they are quite good as well. The strats that you gain from being in either one. Yeah. All right. Cool. And then the detachment for this, uh, for the indexes, this detachment is called the Rad Cohort. Um, and it is not because they are rad, dude. <laughs> it is because of radiation. And what is their ra- Rad Bombardment rule? It sounds like something out of uh, Fallout. So yeah. what's the Rad Bombardment rule? First off, when, when you read it as the, that Rad, that's all I ever think of when it comes to this. <laughs> um, so I'm glad to see we're on the same page there. But how this works is this is split into two parts. So the first is in the first battle round and the second is from the second battle round onwards. Um, So the first battle round one is a bit more interesting. So how this one works is your opponent gets to pick every single unit in their deployment zone. They get to pick one of the following things to happen to them. If they choose to take cover with that unit, then that unit becomes battle shocked until the end of the battle round. So what this means is that you can't use strat- stratagems on them and they become OC0. The other part of that is they can choose to stand firm. So if they choose to stand firm, it means you then roll a dice for that unit and on a 3+, plus they take D3 mortal wounds, which is pretty cool. One critique I have with this is that your opponent is picking this. You're not, you're not picking what they do, which obviously would make sense from a thematic point of view. But by doing this, you're basically telling your opponent, okay, do you want to take mortal wounds or do you want to be battle-shocked? Now, bear in mind that being battle-shocked can be quite integral for a lot of armies. So if we look at armies like Drakari, it means they can't uh, use their lightning-fast reflex stratagem for minus one to hit, which could be the difference between surviving and not surviving. Um, you, if you're a Votan equally Adeptus Mechanicus player, or a, um, I can't remember the other army that has a shoot back strat, but using that as sisters, um, you means you're not getting to use your shoot back stratagem. If you're a Space Marine player, you don't get to use Armour Contempt on that unit, which could, again, could be the difference. 
Um, so there's a bunch of different things, right? There, mm. that is cool. Equally, um, if you choose to take D3 mortal wounds, there are some units in this game, mainly Sisters of Battle, their whole army, um, gain a benefit from having models lost. So what you're then telling your opponent is, yes, you can do D3 mortal wounds to my unit. That is fine because now you're making all my units plus one to hit. So yeah, so again, it's very nitpicky type of thing, but I would have either preferred it if I got to pick what what happens to them and it just happens blanket for the whole army because obviously, again, the other sort of tactical part of it is you'll go, okay, well, I'll make all my transport, I'll take the D3 mortal wounds on all my transports because they have loads of wounds and then all my little units that aren't going to do anything turn one, I'll just have battle shot, that's fine. Yeah. Again, it's nitpicky, but I think it's relevant. Um, then the second part of it is then from then at the start of each battle round, then onwards, I roll a dice for every unit in my opponent's deployment zone. Again, within, not wholly within. On a three plus, they take one mortal wound. So it's just like continuing bombardment. Um, it can, That yeah. can be a bit of a difference. Like if you've got a squishy unit that's holding a backfield objective, um, over time that will do damage. But ultimately, being critical... I think compared to other detachments, this is definitely one of the weaker ones, in my opinion. Um, you're only really getting something battle round one and then battle round two onwards, you're getting the chance of doing something. So yeah, I like. I think it's a really cool detachment and has a lot of potential with maybe some minor tweaks, um, especially with the whole sort of mortal wounds thing you're doing. The fact it's on a free up as well makes me quite sad because again, like <laughs> we spoke about, well, like we've spoken about in the Votan review, if you did listen to that one, I like rules that just happen. Like if it's a if it's something like there's a once per game or you're spending command points, I like the idea of it just happening rather than you're having to roll a dice to see if something happens. Um, yeah, because then you're spending a resource and then it may not even do anything. So again, I don't think this is the strongest. I actually think this is one of the weaker attachments. However, it is still cool the fact that you could do mortal wounds, the fact you could have battle shock on your opponent, and then the fact that if that the longer they're in their deployment zone, the more they're going to get hit. Yeah, see, I, I I like it. Um, a is flavorful. It's very thematic with the army, and I actually, for the exact reason you don't like it, is the reason I do like it because I like the fact that it's somewhat interactive. Because oh yeah, there was a lot of problem in ninth edition with people having to suffer through either psychic phases that they, where they had an interaction, or there were other a lot of other interactions where it was very non-interactive play. You had Dark Angel secondaries that were very non-interactive, mm. and that was the big complaint was that. You know that was sort of consistent throughout ninth edition was so many things ended up causing non-interactive play. Even this, yeah, I understand it. Again, it gives a little bit of impetus to, to your opponent, but it's a game. It's supposed to be back and forth. So I like the fact that all right, you, I'm, I'm gonna, you know, jack up your entire army before the game begins. How would you like to accept it? So you know, it, it, it's going to the doctor and choosing between you know one uncomfortable test and another. <laughs> so I won't be more graphic than that. But um, anyway, so I, I, I don't think it's that bad. I, I still haven't played much 10th, so the, the, the full effect of Battleshock is still, you know, I think you have a better grasp on it than I do. But anyway, I, I like that it's, I think it's a good rule. Yes, it's not certainly not the strongest. It's not, you know, um, Oath of Moment. It's not going to, you know, obliterate, you know, one unit a turn. Um, but it is, it's very strong and it's very thematic. So uh, with that, um, I really want to get into some some unit uh, data sheets. But before we do that, let's uh, stop real quick and give a acknowledgement uh, to our second sponsor, Color Forge. The Competitive 4K podcast is supported by Color Forge. I found Color Forge 18 months ago and I was blown away by the quality of the product. 
I've always had an incredible finish, not too thick, not too chalky, and have always had the perfect coverage in all kinds of weather conditions. The cans are around 25% larger and cheaper than most other brands on the market. All of the colors are matched to Citadel base color, so it makes that transition from rattle can to paints absolutely seamless. Check out www.thecolorforge.com to pick up your sprays today, along with a whole host of other awesome hobby products. And ladies and gentlemen, before we get any further in, uh, don't forget to go online and join the competitive Warhammer 40k community Facebook page. Um, we I've been letting in a lot of new people since 10th edition um, dropped uh, since we started letting out these new episodes. So please come and join the conversation. Uh, the password for uh, this month is Drago, as in the leader of the Grey Knights. Uh, no spell check required. Just answer the questions. Give us the password and you're in. Uh, with that, all right. Jake, uh, let's get back to talking about um, AdMac data sheets. What is the first? Obviously, we we cannot go through all of them because there's a lot. So this isn't Votan where we get to sort of uh, bend the rules and go through all twelve data sheets or whatever. So, um, uh, which what let's uh, where do you want to start? So I think it's I think it would be not right if we didn't start with the main man himself belisarius cool right he's a cool guy so I, I would love to be able to do him so so there's so i really like belisarius cool i think he's actually potentially an auto include in any adeptus mechanicus list just because of the what he gives you so he's 185 points so he is quite pricey for what he is however he is one of those rare models in this game of warhammer 40,000 10th edition that actually has auras um and as we've spoken about in a few of these, auras are pointed appropriately, it seems, because there are less of them, and the ones that there are in the game are quite powerful. He is no exception to this. Yeah, they're usually reserved to things like Primarchs and such, so um, I, I think it's good. It's, he, he is of an appropriate authority level to have an aura, so I kind of dig that. Yeah, he is. he's the main man. I love him. So first thing he gets is that while he's within three inches of any Adeptus Mechanicus unit, he gains the lone operative ability. So you can't target him unless you're within 12 inches. When you go to target him, he is quite a beefy boy anyway, but just the fact that he has lone operative just really helps with the fact he can't actually join a unit. Um, so that right. gives him some really cool rules there. Second ability, uh, he can heal D3 wounds in his command phase, which is cool. Um, he can't sadly heal vehicles, which I was actually really disappointed to see, considering he is... Belisarius Cole, and he made right. half of these vehicles. <laughs> so you know that's just a again, yeah. just a slight nitpicky thing. But again, you know, still to fair to mention all the same. And then finally, his the probably his main ability is Lord of Mars or Lord of the Adeptus Mechanicus or Lord of the Machine Spirits, whatever you call it. Start of the battle round, he can pick one ability and you get it for the battle round. So the first ability is that while within six inches of him, Adeptus Mechanicus units can reroll ones to hit. Um. Please bear in mind this is no there's no longer core if you're used to ninth edition. So this is just all units within six. So your honor gajun crawlers, other characters. This is melee and shooting. Reroll ones to hit. As we will go on to see in Adeptus Mechanicus, there aren't many ways of getting reroll hits. So this is your main source, which is one of the reasons why I really like him. Mm -hmm. Secondly, you could get stealth for everybody within six inches which, again, because you pick it at the start of the battle round, can combo really nicely with that protector of imperative. 
So now you're instantly going, okay, well, now my whole army's minus one AP while in my deployment zone. While within six inches of LSR is cool, I'm minus one to hit. And a lot of the units, as we'll go on to, are quite tough. Right. So good adds a really good degree of survivability, especially against any kind of alpha strike. Yeah. So really love that. The third one is probably the one I don't think you'll ever see, but again, can still be valid. Um, while within six inches of this model, you can reroll battle shock and leadership checks. So reason it denotes the two as battle shock and leadership is because there will be some abilities in the game, as you'll see, that will force you to take a leadership check. Um, which is the two dice you have to beat your leadership. Same as doing a battle shock check, but without this, without with different ramifications. So I like how they've clarified that you get both, which is really cool. Yeah. Um. So yeah. So he's great with that. I don't think you'll ever see that one. It's more the stealth and reroll ones to hit. I think you'll see more. But again, nice to have a third ability right to choose from. Um. Yeah. And then the final thing I'll talk about with him is he has a pretty the exact word on my notes is a baller gun. Uh. I don't actually know what it's called. <laughs> Um, so it's 18 inch range D3 shots with blast strength, uh, hitting on two plus strength for 14 minus four damage free. Uh, in addition, this has melter D3 as well. So quite a strong gun that, um, yes, from a model that is lone operative as well. So he can actually sit outside 12, be within 18 and shoot his gun with no ramifications. I think genuinely guys, I think he's an auto include in every Adeptus Mechanicus list. Uh, every time I've used him, he's been one of the standout units for me because of the buffs he gives. And I honestly would just have him. The first name on the team sheet is this guy. So I love him. Yeah. He also puts out a lot of a high volume of attacks in melee. Mm. Um, yeah. His arc scourge is his arc scourge is anti-vehicle four plus with devastating wounds and extra attacks. Mm. It's only four attacks. It's but it's a two up weapon skill, strength five, neg one and one damage. So devastating wounds is only going to do a couple of mortal wounds. but Still very, you know, knocking a couple mortal wounds on him with vehicles, never a bad thing. Uh, calls Omniscient Axe is another four attacks, strength eight, neg two, two damage. And then he has his Mechadendrite Hive, which also has extra attacks, which is two D6 attacks, hitting on threes, strength four, zero AP, one damage. So altogether, he's putting out eight plus two D6 attacks in melee. That's a pretty good volume of attacks. Yeah. So. He, he is great. He, he's one of the rare instances yeah. that he gets to use all his melee weapons. So that's cool. Yeah. All right. What's next? Um, so next, we're going to talk about the Tech Priest Dominus. So I have selected, say, three characters I've picked as my sort of standout characters because the Adeptus Mechanicus do have a lot of characters. If I'm honest, the, t- the other two we're going to talk about, I think, go in every list, at least one of them, maybe even two of, of this one, which is the Tech Priest Dominus. So a few cool rules here. So first one is while, it, while this model is leading a unit, he confers Feel No Pain 5 plus to the unit. Really solid. I haven't seen a character that can do that yet, at least, other than like an apothecary. Um, again, on a model that is quite cheap. Luckily, as well, though, there is a unit in the army of Adeptus Mechanicus, which we will talk about in a bit, which is the Electro Priest that already have Feel No Pain. And thank you, Games Workshop, because you've clarified that instead of them getting a five up Feel No Pain and the ability being literally useless, um, you he actually gives that unit a four plus Feel No Pain. Yeah, it's a good stack. Yeah, it's great. Yeah, so because they're quite squishy anyway at toughness three, um, and then again we'll talk about them in a sec. But um, oh sorry, <coughs> um, so yeah, so that's good. He does have another rule which I don't think will come up too often, but I think this rule is mega if it does. Um, so at the start of the fight phase, you pick a, a vehicle in engagement range of this unit of this model, sorry, and you roll a dice on a four plus. That unit suffers d six mortal wounds and a minus one weapon skill. 
So really key thing here is minus one weapon skill, not minus one to hit. So if you then bracket a vehicle, it's minus one weapon skill, you're minus one to hit with a lot of vehicles if they're within a certain uh, wounds range. These will stack because they are not a hit modifier. It's a weapon skill and a hit modifier. So make, you can essentially make yeah. a vehicle minus two to hit. Um, D6 mortal wounds on a vehicle is great as well. Um, fact it's on a four up, I think is probably fair because it's D6 mortals. Maybe on a three up it would have been cool, but I'm not going to complain because I think this is a fantastic data sheet anyway, to be honest. Yeah, I, I think that a four up is is fair and reasonable because if it was anything more than a 50-50 chance of getting it, it would be somewhat, you'd have people screaming that it's broken and unfair because he'd be just wrecking vehicles in melee. What? Yeah, so, 100%. Yeah. Um, yeah. Other things to mention is, again, we're not going to talk about enhancements just yet, but one of the but two of the enhancements that will come up quite a lot is one's called Master Annihilator, the other's called the Omni Sterilizer. Um, I would take Master Annihilator on the Dominus. Again, we'll go into why when we talk about the enhancement, but it is a very good enhancement for him. The Omni Sterilizer we will save for who I'm about to talk about, Dave, who is my favorite okay. data sheet in Warhammer, I think. Right. <laughs> and before, before, before we get to that, uh, just to clarify, obviously because of his rule, he can join elect both uh, Corpus Kari and Fulgurite Electro Priests. He can also join, as predictably, Skatari Rangers and Vanguard. He can also join Catafrons, Breachers mm -hmm. and Destroyers. So he's got a wide variety of units that he can join as a leader. I kind of dig that. Yeah. So why we like him. Yeah. Uh, um, yeah. And so with that, who's your uh, who's your next who's your your favorite data sheet? Dave, this guy is called a Tech Priest Manipulus. So when you look at him on the surface, you may think, why do you like this guy so much, Jake? He doesn't seem super interesting. So we'll just talk about quickly what he does on the surface. So while he's in a unit, leading a unit, he gives that unit lethal hits. So it means every critical nice. every critical hit of a six is an automatic wound. Super, super useful depending on what he's in, um, because that can make certain units like the um, the Corpus Carpri Electro Priests, the ones with the jazz hands, as I'll call them, the shooty electric hands, um, quite useful because <laughs> they have a low strength and they have sustained hits too, so that can make him them really good. Um, equally, okay. it, can, it can make other units just better, like you know, like cataphrons and stuff. Never turn your nose up at, at lethal hits. I think it's fair to say. Um, he does have another rule. Once per battle, at the start of any phase, you can pick this. You can do this rule, and then the unit he's leading has a four plus vulnerable save. Now, I spoke about this in the Votan one, so if you listen to this, you'll probably know what I'm about to say. But if you didn't, I don't like rules that are at the start of a phase if you if you're triggering it. So I'd rather it be when this unit is selected as a target, you get a, you can choose to activate this ability. When you do, this unit has a four plus vulnerable save. I just, I just think at the start of a phase, it, you just by you just saying that, one of two things will happen. One, your opponent now will go, okay, well, I don't think I do want to target it. I'll just wait a phase, and then I can go do something else. Um, second thing of it, it just means you could burn it with like it not having any use. Um, yeah, two, yes, yeah, so that's my main two gripes with that. Um, again, if I was to have my perfect world. I would change this rule to say, like I said, when this unit is declared as a target, you can choose to use this ability for the remainder of the phase of a 4 plus rule. So just means then you don't have to feel like you've wasted it. Um, I think right. it's fair to say. No, that makes sense. Yeah. Um, the final thing we're going to talk about is the, probably the reason I love this model. Uh, and this is 
His trans so we are talking about a weapon here. This is the transonic cannon. So this weapon is D6 shots, torrent, devastating wounds, strength for four, zero AP, two damage. Sounds cool, okay. right? There's yeah, it's okay. Okay, we will talk about the Omni Sterilizer when we come into the enhancement section of Adeptus Mechanicus because this is where this unit becomes my favorite data sheet in Warhammer. But as for a sixty-point model, I think he's super good anyway. Um, he's got some good shooting, cool rules, lethal hits. Um, he can join the same amount of units that the Dominus can, so he can join Vanguard Rangers, Breachers, Catfront Destroyers, Catfront Breachers. Um, Corpus Garpy Electro Priests and Full Gright Electro Priests and because of that I think he's a decent data sheet whether you take him in the way I want to take him which is going to be a a monster <laughs> or you take yeah. him as just a, as a buffing piece to sit in a Catathon unit just to help them out a bit yeah I mean comparing at, at 60 points everything that he can do without any enhancements just yeah. as just data, data sheet as is at 60 points is a hell of a lot better than our Lord Grimnir yeah. at 75 points. Yeah. <laughs> so I, I I will certainly not badmouth the manipulus as he is. He's not something you're going to look at and immediately go, ooh, he's not an auto pick. He's not, an, oh, I have to take this guy, but he's good. Yeah. He's definitely somebody that, you know, you would probably, oh, I need, I want a second or a third character to, to buff a unit. You might come up with a cool combo with him. Cool. Slot him in. Won't, won't fault you for it. Yeah. So just, just to cut to the, to, to the chase why why does this enhancement make him so much better should we should we just talk about this enhancement quickly because just just this one real quick okay the omni sterilizer what it does you pick one of your so all of your range weapons sorry you don't pick one all of your range weapons on this model now get plus three shots anti-infantry two plus anti-monster four plus so what that means if you're not familiar say with that again so <laughs> hold on say, say that again you you got really excited said it really fast say that again really slow anti what now so all of the models' ranged weapons gain the following things. Plus three shots, anti-infantry two plus, anti-monster four plus. So again, if you're not familiar with how these work, anti-anything just means on the roll it says you will always critically wound the target that you're shooting at. And the reason I say critically wound is because that now will mean that devastating wounds trigger on that roll. So if we look at it from the infantry side of it, for every two plus I roll, it's going to activate my devastating wounds, which means that I'm just going to do two mortal wounds. And it's and the transonic cannon is, as you said, it's torrent, so it hits automatically. Yes. It has a base D6 attacks, but this enhancement's going to give him, so he, now he's going to have D6 plus three attacks. Yes. So anywhere from three to nine attacks, Auto hitting and on a two plus, it's going to do two mortal wounds. Yeah. So you are you have a good odds of picking up a five man marine squad. Yeah. So put in perspective, so far the kill list for this model because I wrote it down is um, it killed twenty witches in one battle round because Poor. because of Overwatch. <laughs> he just sits there okay. with his gun and he goes. He killed, he finished, he took eight wounds off a Screamer Killer, which I thought was quite good, to be honest. Um, oh, yeah. He killed a five-man Marine squad, like you said, actually. Ironically, that's on the list. Um, he's killed 18 Termagants in one go, which was cool. Um, and that's it so far, but bear in mind, obviously, I haven't played loads of games. 
with him. I played three. Right. These are the three which he killed stuff. The first game was the marine game, so I didn't really use him that well. Second game was a lot better with the witches. Third game, killing the screamer killer and the termagants was really good. So yeah, um, bear in mind as well. So you can overwatch with this guy for one CP, which means that you can shoot in your opponent's turn after a move, end of a move, or before a move, after a move, start of charge phase as well, or start of a charging unit's step. You can do it. Um, I'm going to do it once per turn though. Um, other thing as well is we will go into, but the Adeptus Mechanicus do have a stratagem that allow you to shoot after a unit has shot you. So there's a potential that this guy could shoot twice in your opponent's turn and once in your own turn. More likely once in your turn, once in your opponent's turn, because I doubt that knowing this weapon is there, they would look at shooting that unit unless they know they can kill it. Right. All right. So yeah. So yeah, he's Yeah, that's that's awesome. a very <laughs> strong combo. Yeah, that makes it a lot better. Yeah. All right. Uh so next. Okay. What's your next data sheet? Something not as exciting, sadly. Um we have the Skatari Vanguard. So um reason being is so there's a few things they do that are quite cool. So they're hundred points for ten of them. They are battle line. Something you're gonna see as we go through a lot more units is that there's a lot of interaction between battle line and non-battle line units in the form of a bit of abilities. So I think that Adeptus Mechanicus are actually one of those armies, weirdly, that are incentivized for taking battle line units. Um, and this is the one that I think that I would take. So there are two. There's Rangers and Vanguard. I would personally look at Vanguard. Um, the reason being, so they're OC2, which is great anyway, because they're your standard battle line. Right. They also have a rule for a 3-inch aura of minus 1 OC. Which, okay. And it's not to a minimum of 1. This is to 0. So... You can have instances where you can run this unit up quite aggressively. They have anti-infantry 4 plus on their guns. They're just strength 3, 0 AP, 3 shots. So first infantry, they should do quite a bit of damage. And you can advance them and then providing the units within 3 inches of enemy units, they're going to be minus 1 OC. Um, again, for 100 points and the fact of how they interact with your army, I think they're a bit of... I think, they, they, I think you take it two units at a minimum in your, um, in your uh, Adeptus Mechanicus army. Okay. All right. Um, again, sorry, they're not as exciting. Yeah, yeah, and then and they've got a war gear too. It awesome uh, helped them ignore cover, so that's cool. Um, yeah, yeah, they um they they got some really useful war gear. So they got either ignores cover or when you use a stratagem on them a five plus, uh, you get a command point. If I'm honest, you probably would just take the ignores cover. You're not probably going to be using a lot of stratagems on this unit, so just best to give him the ignores cover. They do also have a plethora yeah. of war gear and ranged weapons that you can take on them. So I believe they can take an arc rifle, a plasma culliver, a, a transonic arquebus. You could give them all that. Um, if I'm honest, like if you want to mess about with that, obviously give them the arc rifle, give them the plasma thing, but their basic guns themselves are quite useful as well, which is fair to note. Okay, cool. All right. Uh, what's next? So we're going to talk about the Fulgrite Electro Priests next. Um, so we could talk, we could talk about both sets of Electro Priests. But the one I lean to towards a bit more is the Fulgrite ones. Um, reason being, so they have a 5-up Feel No Pain, like we said. Their inbuilt data sheet ability, sim which is the exact same as the Corporal Scarpery one, which is while there's a character in the unit, you're minus one to be wounded. Cool thing with this, there's no caveat of if your strength is higher than my toughness or anything like that. It's just always minus one to wound, which is super, super, super good. 
because they for those low sort of strength attacks that your opponent's going to be more looking to put into them. Um, they're going to be minus one to wound. So if you're strength three, you'll be winning them on fives. If you're strength two, you'll be winning them on sixes. If you're strength four, you'll be winning them on fours. Really, really good. Love that ability. Um, we've already mentioned about the interaction between the Dominus where while he's in their unit, he gives them a four up, feel no pain. He also will be giving them that minus one to be wounded. So again, a nice little combo there that you can take. Big fan of this unit. Um, they're only 80 points for five, 160 for 10. Combat-wise, they're two attack, strength six, minus two, I think, minus two or minus one. Two damage with devastating wounds. So... Again, can really pack a punch there if you need to. Um, and like I said, I think they, I think you at least take one unit of these guys just as a bit of a combat punch, maybe coming out of a Dune, Dune Rider, which is the transport. Um, but yeah, no, I, I've, I'm, I'm a big fan of this unit. Like I said, I definitely would look at taking one, maybe. Okay. All right. Uh, yeah, they look like they look pretty decent with with a high volume of attack, especially if you you put out a squad of ten of them. Uh, and yeah, that minus one to wound is cool. I mean, if you get if you're facing down a whole. Um, Imperial Guard um, infantry squad aiming their flashlights at you, you, you know, putting their flashlights on, on uh, uh, five ups to wound is pretty good. Yeah. Uh, again, so for, and for, for, a T, for a T3 wound, that's pretty good. Or for a T3 squad, that's pretty good. Yeah. And also, like I said, you know, the Phil No Pain, they have a five up invulnerable save anyway. So a five up, five up. Again, if a Dominus is in the unit, it's going to be a five up, four up. They could just be re- weirdly, really annoying to deal with. Um, and I think yeah. that's the sort of thing you we, we, we need to look at in the Adeptus Mechanicus is that the combat units aren't standouts for me, but the ones you do have are quite useful just to go in and do some damage. So I do like them. Um, and I, I also i am a bit biased because I like the models as well. So I just sort of had to give them a little shout out. So. Yeah, the models are kind of cool. I, I like the guy that's got his eyes sewn shut or stapled shut. That's, you know, creepy in a Mad Max sort of way. So, yeah. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, no, I do love them. Um, guess next unit. We'll 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 like to go into the next unit. Yep, by all means. Yeah. So so this is uh we just ironically spoke about combat units not being super great, but I'm going to talk about another combat unit, and that is these uh, Sakaran Rust Stalkers. Um. Uh, yes, I love these guys. I love these these models. I love these models. These guys are great. Are awesome. They're like little assassins. So I, I'm a big fan of them. So a few things to note with them. So they have stealth and built, so they're always minus one to be hit in shooting. Um, they have the Skatari keyword as well. And the reason that's relevant in this section is because when we look at stratagems and certain abilities, there are certain things that you only can use if you have the Skatari keyword. Okay. And these guys benefit from one of the stratagems quite heavily, um, in my opinion. So super great. And then this is also our first instance where we see interactions with battle line as well. Because this unit gets plus one to advance and charge inbuilt. However, if it's, if it's within six inches of a battle line unit, it gets plus two to advance and charge. So again, nice. smaller than what we're going to go into in a second with one of the bonuses. Um, but still a cool interaction all the same. And again, can be super useful. Um, bear in mind they move eight inches, so with the D6 and being within six of a um, Skatari unit, getting out of transport, they're going to go maybe 15 inches on average and then could potentially charge with a stratagem, which we'll talk about. Um, so yeah, just and they're 75 points as well. Um, two wounds each, six up in vulnerable save. I just think they're really, really, they're cheap as chips for what they are. Um, and then in terms of combat weapons, they have two choices. So you either have um, three attacks, strength four, minus two, one damage with anti-infantry, three plus. Or 
you have four attacks, strength four, minus one, one damage with devastating wounds. And then the sergeant sort of gets both. So he's four attacks, strength uh, for hitting on fours, anti-infantry three plus, devastating wounds, minus two, one damage. Um, so yeah, I think they're super decent in combat. I'd probably more lean towards the devastating wounds only because I like having more dice when you're hitting on fours. And as we'll find, there's no way of buffing their combat hitting ability. Um, so they are just always going to be hitting on fours in combat. Maybe re-rolling ones if they're near cool. I highly doubt they will because they're probably going to be in your, you know, in your opponent's lines far away from cool dealing with other units. Um, but yeah, just having yeah. more attacks, I think, is more of a beneficiary than having um, less attacks, but with with anti-infantry. Yeah, and if you're um, if you're using your conqueror protocol, buff- buffing their um, transonic razor and cord cloth to strength four neg three one damage with anti-infantry mm. three plus. And the other thing that you, you, I don't think you mentioned was all of their melee options have precision. Yes, I did just, I saw that on my notes, yeah. <laughs> yeah, so they've all got precision too, which is very nice. So these guys could potentially get into the enemy deployment zone and start wreaking some havoc. So yeah. that's kind of cool. How many points for, for five? 75 for five. Um, I think in my personal opinion, you take two units of these and you put them in a Dune Strider, uh, which is again the okay. transport. Um, Right. Ironically, he's not a unit we talk about, but I've spoken about him twice now. Um, he's just a really, you know, just really solid having two units in there. And um, the reason I take two units, not one big unit, is just so then you have a bit more presence in terms of where you can go. So you could shoot one one unit off somewhere, another unit off somewhere, and you're not having too many resources in one basket in that instance. So yeah, right. no, big fan of these yeah, no, guys. Makes total sense. I, I think they're great. Cool. Next unit I'm a big fan of, Dave, and this is probably probably in my opinion the strongest data sheet in the well one of the strongest data sheets in adeptus mechanicus these are the cataphon breaches okay so main thing with these guys so we'll talk about their weapon first so they have a heavy arc so the weapon i would look at is the heavy arc rifle so this is 36 inch range two shots hitting on four plus strength eight minus two flat three damage Rapid fire two, so while within half range, you're going to get an additional two shots per model, and they have anti-vehicle four plus as well. So every w- wound roll of a four plus will always critically wound a vehicle. I think it's great. I think that's a fantastic weapon stat line. Um, even not in rapid fire, yeah. you're still going to get from a unit of six, you're still going to get twelve shots out of this. Um, even better when we look at their data sheet ability, which is they have inbuilt reroll ones to hit. However, while they're within six inches of a battle line unit, Dave, they can re-roll all of their hits. Oh, okay. Yeah. Nice. So you put them yeah. near a battle line unit, and especially if you, I mean, their rapid fire range is 18 inches. So if you're within 18 mm. inches, every guy, you know, all each model is getting four shots. Yeah. And with and with anti-vehicle four plus and that stat line and full re-rolls to hit, mm. they could do some work on a knight. I think they. I think this unit is super, super good. I think it's very, very tasty. Um, like I said, I think they are pricey though. Um, all good things are. They are 150 points for three and 300 for six. I think you definitely take one unit, but I couldn't see you taking more because of how expensive they are. Yeah, 300 is um, a lot. Yeah, um, especially when we're going to go into two other units in a second, which I think you also want a lot of um but yeah i definitely really rate these guys definitely one unit of them 
We'll talk again. There is a really good enhancement for these guys as well, which we'll go into in the enhancement section. Anyone can really go in this unit as long as they have that enhancement. I just think their money for that. Um, and yeah, so that's the Catathon Breaches. All right. And what you got next? So next we've got a combo set, Dave. So we're going to talk about both sets of the Dragoons in quotation. Uh, so the Iron Strider Balistari and the Siconian Dragoons. So I, we're going to do these as a one because they are pretty much just a combat and shooting version of the other. Right. Um, I love these guys. So first thing to mention, we'll go through the Siconian Dragoons first. So data sheet ability, they can uh, fall back, charge and shoot, which is just great. Um, yeah, really that's like fantastic. That. Yeah. Um, they also can run and shoot, like we said, uh, run and charge, sorry, because they are Skitari, which is, again, something really important to note here. Um, super, super good. In melee, they get four attacks, hitting on four pluses, strength seven, minus two, two damage, anti-walker two plus, lance, and sustained hits two. And a partridge in a pear tree. Yeah, so and the kitchen sink. So yeah, so so what that means, yeah. um so anti walker two plus. Yes, knights have the walker keyword, everyone. So they are wounding knights on twos, probably the only unit that I've seen in the game that can. Um these natural at least like this. Um Lance as well, so it means when they make a charge move and they get plus one to wound on the turn they charged. So at strength seven, you've got to think they're gonna be wounding most things on threes or fours at least. Right. Um, and then sustained hits too. So for every six they roll to hit, they're going to get two additional hits. So on average out of 12 attacks, you're looking at 10 hits because you would get six normal hits, two sixes, which then would become two more hits each. Um, yeah. So yeah, so uh, so that looking at that, like on average, maybe it's a bit more. Um, but again, they could just do so much damage. Um, and yeah. Oh, they also have stealth inbuilt as well, which is something cool to note. Uh, so they're always minus oh, one yeah. to hit. I, just, I see that. Yeah. So, huh. Again, right. really, I really rate this unit. Um, I think you definitely take a unit of three of these guys. Um, maybe even two units of three if you have the points. Um, I think they're so good. I think this is one of the standout data sheets for me. The reason I want to talk about the Iron Strider Balistari is because I wasn't actually a fan of them when I read them first. However, I got to actually use them in a game. And I actually, they sort of won me over slightly because of Belisarius Call giving them buffs. So these guys, they can retreat and shoot, retreat and charge, same as the Dragoons. They don't have stealth, which is sad. I would have liked to if the shooting unit had stealth, because they're not going to be... That'd be a little excessive, though. Yeah. I don't, yeah, like I said, I don't think you need it, but they would have been cool. But the main thing is their guns. And the, 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 the gun we're going to highlight here is the Cognis Autocannon. So this is two shots, strength nine, minus one, flat three damage, twin linked with sustained hits one. So yeah, just okay. solid. I mean, sustained hits not likely to go off when you've only got two attacks, and the biggest no. squad you're gonna have is three of them. So no. at best, you'll get one exploding six on a squad of three firing. But setting that aside, yeah, it's still good. You get minus one's yeah. cool. Um, remember, you could be in the protector imperative, so they become heavy. So if they stand still, they're gonna get plus one to hit, which is cool. Um, mm. Rerolling ones from Belisar is cool potentially as well if they're within six. Equally, you could make them assault, so you could run. So, and because they have quite a fast move, you know that you'll be able to cut an angle with them because they move 10 plus D6. Um, 
something else to mention about these guys, Dave, is they're only 50 points a model. Okay. Which is cool. I can so, see. And, and I, that seems, yeah, that seems reasonable for, for what they do now. In ninth edition, obviously, especially when they first debuted and they had, there was the whole issue, do should they, shouldn't they have core and all the other shenanigans that went on with, with Iron Striders when they first came out. So this seems like a much more reasonable data sheet. Yeah. Um, and the Lace Cannon's not bad. With one shot, four up ballistic skill, strength 12, minus three AP, D6 plus one damage. So yeah. also with sustained hits one and twin linked. So yeah, that for, for a stand back ranged unit that, like you said, with a 10 inch move can can cut an angle pretty easily if it needs to. Yeah. It's not bad. I'm still more of a fan of the Saconian Dragoon, if I'm honest. I think he yeah. probably he would make the list more than one of these. But if you did have the points spare for 50 points, they're pretty good, I guess. Um, so then moving on, moving on into the last data sheet, um, I have for my, like, really like these units uh, in detail. Uh, it's the Honor Gadoon Crawler. Um, I'm not going to lie, Dave. I don't think I've ever seen this model on the table. <laughs> <laughs> um, so when it came to seeing this unit, I was really interested to see if we would be seeing them. And I think the answer is yes. Because I really rate this guy. So first things to note about him. He's toughness 10 with 11 wounds. 2 plus armor save. 4 plus invulnerable save. He's tanky. He's very tanky. Um, yeah. Which is cool. Second thing is that... So this is his data sheet ability. Is that he can move over to... He can move through terrain features that are 4 inches in height or less. Which is cool. Not anything to write yeah. home about. But he can get over annoying crates. He can get over little barricades, anything like that. Um, really like that rule. Um, however, the creme de la creme of this model is, in my opinion, the Eradication Beamer. This is his gun. Well, this is one of the guns he can have. This is the one we've chosen to look at because I think it's the best one. Okay. So it has two profiles. So the first profile is 36-inch range, D6 shots, Ballista skill 4 plus, strength 9, minus 2, 2 damage, sustained hits D3, blast. Sounds great. It's not in bad. In my opinion. Yeah. Do, do you know what's a bit better than that? The focus His 18 inch profile. Yeah. Yeah. So this is D6 shots, 4 plus, strength 9, minus 3, flat 3 damage, same as sustained D3 and blast. Um, again, super good. Uh, and this guy's only 140 points. So. Pretty cheap for what he can do. Um, I really like this guy. I think you take, you can maybe take two or three of these, and I, I think that would give you quite a bit of firepower, especially with the multi-damage. Um, but yeah, I really, really rate these Onagers, and I think you're going to see them a lot more. Cool. Uh, and your audio cut out, uh, I think, a little bit right at the beginning, so I'm just going to, just so everybody can hear it, um, the part you may have missed uh, because of technical difficulties when Jake read the profile is that it is uh, Movement 8 T10, Two up save with a four up invuln and eleven wounds. So that's why he was saying it is super um, tanky. It is. It has got a really nice um, level of resistance. So uh, I got a question, and, and I don't know if this is on your list or not. But I'm I am a fan of having actually had my butt kicked um, with them by uh, Paul Murphy in uh, in a ninth edition game that we played. Uh, Castle and robots. Are those on your list anywhere? So they're in the honorable mentions category because they're definitely a lot better than they were. Um, 
Okay. However, however, I just think for the price point of them, they're very expensive. They're 215 for two or 430 for four. Um, Oof. Yeah. Um, and it's, it's only because of when we look at the other units like the Onagers, the Dragoons, the Breachers, we look at Cool, we look at my Cool Manipulous Man, um, we just don't have any points left. Um, and I yeah. think they, but they are cool because we'll go into honorable mentions real quick because I've got a few. The first is the Castellan robots. Um, main change with them, Dave, is that it's only taken like eight years. But ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, children of all ages, everybody in listening to the Warhammer 40,000 competitive podcast, competitive 40k podcast even, if I can get the name right of what I'm on, that's great. Um, you can now finally take a fist and a gun. Oh. (laughs) You don't have to take two guns or two fists. You can have one fist and one gun, which is, I think, the optimal loadout if you do take them. Because the only difference between having a second fist or a second gun is you get twin-linked. But I don't think you need it. Um, And having the combat punch and the shooting punch is just so much better than having reroll wounds in that one phase. Yeah. Yeah, that makes Um, sense. But sadly, we are let down by the fact that they are very expensive. So I think you maybe would see one unit of them, but I think you would sacrifice having so much in your army that you just may wouldn't really consider them and but they but that is yeah. just my opinion okay uh wh- who else is your um your, your, what's your next honorable mention so cerberus raiders um as we know the annoying sniper horses sniper dogs as a lot of sniper yep. dogs um still super good they don't have precision anymore but they do have devastating wounds and they get free shots each strength four yeah. they scout they scout move nine which is also super good um, main reasons I like them is they're 75 points for three of them and they can go do your cards really easily if you want to play fixed or not fixed tactical sorry um, okay so again and they've got a cool like do you remember the stratagem where they could move after they were declared as a charge yes yeah they now just got that as a rule um, and their interaction is it's d6 normally or if they would finish their move within six of a battle line unit it can just be six inches which is again quite useful you can use it to um screen an area then move out of dodge you could use it to maybe put more oc on an objective because these guys are oc2 which is cool um you could use it to block a charge um there's countless possibilities i think again in a list you take two they're just not as interesting as some other units um and then the final Mm -hmm. honorable mention i have is the um paraxy sterilizers the flamer winged people yep um just purely because 75 points for, for five of them. They deep strike. They have flamers, so they really benefit from that Overwatch stratagem. Um, and then they they themselves have a cool rule, which is after they've shot, they can pick one unit they shot against. Um, and you roll a dice on a four plus. That unit is minus two move, minus two advance, minus two charge. However, if your unit is within six inches of a battle line unit, that roll has plus three, making it on a one plus, which would mean it automatically happens. Um, okay. Again. Uh, I love how the book interacts with Battle Line. I also I also am sad that there's so much that a lot of armies just get for free that the that the that the Admechs have to have Battle Line or have to roll or something. But that's just a nitpick. Um I still think they're great for seventy five points for five. Yeah. All right. Uh any big losers, like one or two units that are just absolute fails in your opinion? 
Um, yes. So the first is the Skatari Marshal. Um, this guy used to be two, three, four, whatever. Well, you couldn't take four because you'd be cheating, so three um, in a right. Adeptus Mechanicus army. I think we're done of the days of the Marshal. I think he's over. Um, main reasons, so he can only join Skatari Rangers and Skatari Vanguard. Okay. Um, so he's very limited in his unit options. Um, in addition to that, he only really affects his own unit. And yeah, like I, I, I would just like this guy because there's so many Skatari units he couldn't join. Maybe to to give him a rule where it's like he could pick because he's supposed to be like the general of the Skatari forces. He's supposed to be the guy commanding everybody to do things. I just don't think it makes right. any sense. He can only talk to his unit. Yeah. But yeah, I don't. I just don't think you would see him ever. Uh, if I'm 100 percent honest, uh, second dishonorable mention is the um, combat version of the winged people that I always forget their name. Um, there's Paraxi Sky Stalkers or oh, something. Yeah, like the, that. yeah, they're the um, yeah the Sky Stalkers. Yeah, um, completely not. I wouldn't even look at them. Their combat is very lackluster. Their they have no real shooting at all. Their rule as well isn't even really that useful. It's basically they get to make the same um, fallback move that the Cerberus Raiders do, um, right. which sounds great, but in actual fact, like, isn't that great. Um, I just think they're, 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 they're the same points as Cerberus Raiders and Sterilizers. If they were a bit cheaper, I, I could think maybe you would take them, but when you have the other option on the table, I just don't think they're uh, great at all. Um, and then the final dishonorable mention, and this one really pains me because I actually love this model, but I'm going to have to diss him now. And that is this, this, uh, the Scorpus Disintegrator. Is it? Yeah. Announced like that? I just call it, I just call yeah, it the, the Scorpius. Toaster. Yeah, the Scorpius, the, the artillery piece. Yes. Um, just in general, like when we look at other indirect weapons in the game, this may be the case of their indirect suit too overtoned. Um, this guy just doesn't cut the mustard for me. He does still have his indirect weapon, but it's lost a whole dice worth of shots and damage, which again is sort of fair because it's indirect. I don't think indirect weapons should be super, super pity, but it's just sad to see. Um, the Melter Cannon as well has gone down in some power as well. It's, I believe that's also potentially lost a shot or potential shots. Um, the fact it hits on fours, it does, however, have a cool rule where depending on what weapon it has and depending on what type of target it, it shoots at, it gets plus one to hit. So if you shoot the Melter Cannon at a monster or vehicle, it gets plus one to hit. If you shoot the Belarusi Cannon, which is the indirect one at infantry, it gets plus one to hit, which negates indirect, which is cool. Um, I just think in terms of points, when we look at other options, I think there's so many better options than this that I just don't think it makes the list. So again, very sad to say. Um, because I love the model, but I don't think you're going to see it a lot. And then just as a quick one, all of the flyers just seem completely not great. Um, so I don't even okay. need to go into them, to be honest. They just, all of their guns now don't seem effective at all. And even like things like a bombing run and all that, like just don't seem as anywhere near as good as, as it once was, or even comparatively to other flyers. So I just don't think we look at those at all. Um, and yeah, okay. I guess that, those are my dishonorable mentions, I guess, which is a bit sad, um, but such is life. I think we have cool units anyway. So, Yeah. Well, you know, you can't, it can't all be uh, sunshine and rainbows or, or, you know, the, the book would be yeah. considered overtuned. So yeah, um, exactly. We're not space Marines. So <laughs> like, 
Right. <laughs> um, that's it's a, that is a conversation for another day. Um, uh, says the guy who's taking Death Watch to Lone Star Open. Um, <laughs> all right. So uh, since we already mentioned a couple of them, let's go over the enhancements real quick. Um, you've got archived purge protocols, uh, which is a Skatari Marshall model only, which, like you said, Marshall's not the greatest model in the world. No. Um, at the start of the battle round, select one friendly Skatari unit within 12 inches till the start of the next battle round. If the Protector Imperative is active for your army, the Conqueror Imperative is active for that unit, and vice versa. If the Conqueror Imperative act- is active for your army, then the targeted unit gets Protector Imperative. Okay. Meh. I- I hate this enhancement. I'm assuming I'm that's a, I'm assuming that's a ten point enhancement. Um, I I actually, do you know what? I'm not gonna lie. I hate this enhancement so much. I didn't even look. I think it is the cheapest though. <laughs> I hope it's the cheapest. Um, main reasons me, I hate I'll, it. I'll pull up my points. Yeah, main reasons I Go hate ahead. it. Real quick is just I hate the fact it it turns one off and turns the other on. Yeah. And because you can't even use the stratagem. Because the stratagem states your army has to have the Doctrina active to use the stratagem that is relevant. Right. So what I would have preferred this to say is that you get both. In addition to that, then saying the say the stratagem is just if that unit has it active rather than your army. Um, but like we said, I don't I'm not a big fan of the marshal anyway. So I just think we just he that you would never I don't think you're ever gonna see this. I think it's coffee, personally. Unless yeah. You're one of those people, and you have a whole Skatari army. <laughs> yeah, and it is a ten. It is a ten point enhancement, so oh. it's not meant to be that. Good. <sighs> okay, cool. Um, right, that's all right then. <laughs> uh, at ten points, you're you you have just saved yourself. Okay. Uh, and then the next one is the excoriating emanation. Any admech model only while the bearer is leading a unit. Models in that unit have the stealth ability. Um, it's not bad. Yes, again, it can be really good. Um, the only thing I will say about this is that because we look at having Belisarius call in the army pretty much all the time. He could give you stealth anyway, um, right. so you could just save your points there because yeah. The next- and and I would say as a twenty-five point enhancement, that's a little <laughs> overcosted. Yeah. Um, however, I was thinking fifteen or twenty. Yeah. Um, however, the next one, which I think is an auto include and you always take, quite on the contrary, is the Master Annihilator. Um, yep. which is while this mo- so ad- any adept mechanicus model only while leading a unit, the ranged weapons in that unit have sustained hits one. Okay, it's um, a good thing that works, and that's the one that you said it put on the Dominus, right? Yeah, and the reason is is because you put you can put him in the breacher unit, so now the breaches are hitting on fours, potentially four shots each, re-rolling all their hits. Sixes are giving them extra hits if they stood still and they're in the protector of imperative, they're plus one to hit. As you can see, there's a nice little combo there, um, and it mm. can be very devastating. So I think that's amazing. And then the final one is the Omni Sterilizer. We spoke about that in depth with the Manipulus. I think equally you could give this to the Dominus because he himself does have a Devastating Wounds weapon in the form of his Volkite Disintegrator. I just think that you'd, in my head in how I've made my list, the Master Annihilator is good on the Dominus because he sits in the Cataphrons and makes them super tanky. The, the Sterilizer goes on the Manipulus because he has the best weapon to benefit from it. Yeah. Yeah, no, that yeah. makes sense. And the Master Annihilator is 35 points. Mm. Uh, might be a little high. The Omni yeah. Sterilizer at 20 points might be just a touch low, but you know, time will tell on that one. I think it's a touch low because you can give it to the Manipulus. Um, right. But I think it's probably fair if you look at the Dominus because the Dominus would have to roll a hit, so there's a chance that some of them will drop. He doesn't have random hits. He has flat free shots on his Disintegrator. Um, but I do agree. I think the Master Annihilator could probably be 30 or 25. 
I think it's good at 35, but I'd love it to be 30 or 25. I think that would probably be a bit more fair, um, considering yeah. you're the only procs on sixes and there's no ways of giving you extra like critical hits on fives or something. But you can get reroll hits for one unit. That one unit, however, is 300 points. So, yeah. You know. Yeah. Yeah. I feel like, I feel like it would be, it would be more reasonable to, to swap the costs on the uh, excoriating emanation and the omni sterilizer. Make, make the emanation 20 and the omni sterilizer 25. But, like I said, that you know, time will tell. They might make that that change. You know, when we start getting data slates in. Yeah. Uh, fingers crossed. <laughs> um, all right. So fingers crossed. So moving on to strats, um, we'll just take turns on these. First one is baleful halo. Uh, one CP during the fight phase, just after an enemy unit has selected its targets. Target is the strat on one ad mech unit from your army, excluding vehicles that was selected as the target of an enemy of enemy units attacks. And the effect is until the end of the turn, each time an attack's made, that targets your units. In fact, one from the wound roll. Nice. Very solid. A little extra resilience. Yeah. yeah. Real solid. Really, really like this stratagem. Um, good thing is catathons aren't vehicles. They're actually infantry anyway. They're on wheels and made mostly of vehicle parts. Uh, so the fact they're T7 and you can make them minus one to wound in combat if a combat unit does get into them is really good. The fact you can just make any unit minus one to wound is super powerful. Um, love that strat. Yeah. Um, one that I'm not as big of a fan of, but still think is really good. Uh, TCP lethal dosage. Um, you're, you use it in your shooting phase. You select one Adeptus Mechanicus unit from your army. Um, that unit gets plus one to wound versus non-vehicle targets. Um, okay. I think because it's just one of your units, I think one CP probably could have been fair for this. Um, yeah. I think it's just a bit too pricey at two CP. Um but that's just my, me. Maybe if it worked on vehicles as well, two CP would be quite reasonable. Yeah, it would be like you would want to use this more against vehicles. If you could use it against vehicles, and I'd say two CP is probably a fair cost. Yeah, but the fact that it doesn't work, vehicles are excluded from this. Two CP, it seems a little overpriced. Yeah, but, I think eh. this is probably. I think it's cool, but I definitely think it's probably an overcosted stratagem um but but could come up in a lot of in, in some instances like if you really need to kill something um you know your strength eight their toughness eight and they're not a vehicle equally they could be a monster you could do that and yeah i think it's i think it's okay but yeah definitely overcosted yeah all right then we got extinction order for one cp using your command phase on a tech priest model uh from your army and one objective marker within 24 inches of that model uh, roll a d6 for each enemy unit within range of that objective marker on a four plus that unit suffers one mortal wound and has to take a battle shock test okay okay i'm gonna go on a slight rant i think this strat's Uh-oh. really silly because i hate this idea of a spending a command we said this already i hate the idea of spending a command point just for something to maybe or maybe not happen um i'd have really loved it if the strat stated um Every unit on that objective takes a battle shock check, and then in addition, on a four plus, the unit takes a mortal wound. Yeah. Um, yeah. I just think like the fact that on a four up, you have both things happen, and then on not on a four up, nothing happens, and then the fact that it's still one CP is just a bit sad. So um, I like the strat. It definitely could be really clutch in some instances, especially if you get that four plus off, because you could turn um, bat- you could battle shock a unit that you really needed to battle shot because it comes OC0, you could flip an objective with it as well. Um, but yeah, just, f- I think it's, yeah, just that's my like little, little rant, I guess. Yeah. About it. Yeah. Or, or make it two CP and make it a guarantee. It causes one mortal wound and forces the opponent unit 
one unit to take a battle shock test. Yeah. Like if, for two CP, make it an absolute guarantee, remove the, you know, that I think that would be fair. Yeah, no, hundred percent. I agree there. Um, next one, Ingressor Imperative. Uh, so you use this in your charge phase. You select one Skatari keyword from your army that can charge. Uh, so that unit can charge even if it has advanced. Um, however, the restriction of this is you may only this may only be used if you have the Conqueror Imperative active for your army. We spoke about this strat a bit when we spoke about the Rust Stalkers and the Dragoons. Um, so this is the strat I was yeah. referring to here. Again, run and charge for one CP for Skatari units, which is pretty much a combat. I think it's fantastic. Um, if, if that's with your game plan of being conquer imperative, it means those chickens could go maximum 16 in charge. It means Rust Stalkers could get out of Dune Strider, use their cool plus two advance of their near battle line, and just zip up the field and just take something out. So again, really like that strat. Cool. Very cool. All right, then we got Vengeful Fallout. One CP using it in your opponent's uh, shooting phase. Uh, target an, an admech unit that's getting shot at. And uh, your unit can shoot as if it was the shooting phase and must target only the enemy unit when doing so. Basically, you're shooting back the people that shot at you. It's great. This is the great yeah. strat. This is the good strat because cool things about it, you don't have to lose any models. Uh, you don't have to take any wounds. You don't have to have any bad things happen to you. There doesn't have to be any tokens on you. There doesn't have to be anything like that. You just one CP, they shoot you, you shoot back. It means that you're you're forcing your opponent to really think because they can't just be like, oh, I'll put this one blast pistol into you or something. Because if that doesn't work, right. you're now going to get to shoot at it. Any unit can do it, so your vehicles can do it as well. Um, I think that's probably. I think this is the best strat in the Adeptus Mechanicus Index, um, and one that I think you'll be seeing pretty much every turn if your opponent allows it. Yeah. Interestingly enough, I just noticed it says after your unit has finished making these attacks, it is not eligible to shoot again this turn. Yeah. So. Not this battle round, just this turn, but that means that they're not going to overwatch if they get charged. Yes, so so that's super good. So, so, that's good. Yeah, so, so yeah. It's, it's good that it has that caveat in it, and I'm glad it says turn, so it means it can still shoot in the next in your next turn, because obviously turn is referred to player turn, not battle round. Um, so yeah, right. re really good strat there. Um, as I said, probably the best one in the whole index. Then final one, uh, one CP, Bulwark Imperative. Use this in your opponent's shooting phase. Select one Skatari unit from your army that has been selected as a shooting attack. Models in that unit have a 4 plus invulnerable save. Caveat, you can only use this uh, stratagem if you're in the protector imperative for your army. So again, if we look at it, it's the, anti, it's the version, it's the conqueror imperative, sorry, it's the protector imperative version of the conqueror one we just looked at. Like when you play this, this is played when you're targeted as an attack. You then can react to this and go, cool, this unit will have a 4 plus invulnerable save. Great on the Dragoons. Useless on the Onager because he already has a 4 up invulnerable save. Other than that, I don't really see you using this a lot on other units. But yeah, it makes the Dragoons a bit more survivable if you're in that imperative. It gets a thumbs up. Okay, cool. Uh, all right. So then um, just to summarize here briefly for everybody, because um, we're kind of going over time. Uh, overall play style is obviously shoot, shoot some more. And then if you're not quite clear, shoot again. Yeah. Run all your cool um, combat stuff in and then shoot anything that's not your cool combat stuff. Yeah, shoot anything that's moving and charge, send in your combat units like your Sicarian uh, Dragoons and your Rust Dockers and your Corpus or in your uh, Fulgurite Electro Priests to mop up the, what's left. Yeah, I agree. Scoring primary, I didn't see a lot in scanning these uh, index cards. There's not a lot of like OC, there's, I don't think there's any OC manipulation really. So, um, I mean, you got a couple of you've got Battleshock a, options maybe. Yeah, you've got a character who can give a unit plus one AC, but again, he can't join brilliant units, so we don't really look too much at him. And um, the main one is the Vanguard that can minus one AC to somebody within three. Um, I think that's oh, good. Right. Um, 
but yeah, but primary wise, I think they play okay because they have a lot of vehicles at OC three and two. Um, they have at least got decent OC and then ways of like minusing mm. your opponents. Just the sad thing about minusing your opponents is you've got to be very close to them. Um, so then you'll probably lose right. that unit next turn. Um, but yeah, I think they play primary okay. Um, I think you're going to get a decent score out of them. All right. And is this a is this a fixed uh, secondaries or a tactical secondaries? Um, I actually think faction. with with the right build, like I was saying about with lots of Cerberus Raiders, lots of um, sterilizers and all those sort of units, I think you can play tactical super, super well um, because okay. you've got because all of your units that can do the cards are very fast. They have deep strike. You've got loads of really fast moving options. I think that's why I said about the Cerberus Raiders at least taking two units of them because with the being in the Conquer Imperative, it means they can advance and do a card like um, Investigate Signals or Deploy Teleport Homers. Um, and for 75 points, just to trade that off for potentially five points is definitely worth it. So, yeah, I think they can do the the uh, tactical set really well. Okay. All right, cool. Any um, strengths, obviously, is they shoot really well. Um, any other notional strengths or weaknesses that jump out at you? Um, main weakness, I think, is just they have no real fallback. They have no ability to fall back and shoot. Um, okay. and then because they're, the Catathons are infantry and not vehicles, it means that they can't then shoot out of combat or shoot into combat, um, which I would have loved to have seen because of the fact there's no retreat and shoot. So I think like tagging them is going to be a big pain because the shooting units don't have good combat at all. So yeah, I think that'll be a mm. downside. Um, but again, strength, you know, really fast moving army, um, with, fan- with some fantastic shooting. So yeah. Okay. Uh, what about um any factions that you jump out as giving this giving the Admech a hard time? Uh, yeah, I think any like horde armies. Uh, so like your orcs, your black templars. It seems. Um, your yeah. um sisters of battle nids. nids. Yeah, they could give him a hard time just because you will get to a point in the game where you will run out of shots. Um, like we said, we go. We're quite blessed with the vanguard having three shots, and then the. Um, Catathons having can have quite a high number of shots, but then the rest of it is either D six or two or something like that. So yeah, I th- I think that's going to be probably their biggest struggle. Maybe armies they'll do quite well into are your vehicle heavy armies because they have the strength and anti rules to match up to it. And I also think again, even into squishy infantry like your Drakari or your Eldar, they can do okay into as well because of the amount of anti infantry in the army. Okay, all right, cool. So uh, with that, um, I that pretty much covers. Um, the AdMac cards. So uh, we will be, uh, we're going to take a quick break to do a battle ready segment with uh, James from Siege Studios. All right, James, welcome back for another battle ready segment. Uh, this week, I wanted to talk to you about um, painting searchlights, headlights, lights in general. Obviously, we're already trying to work with our models so, because we want them to look like they're in daylight, but sometimes you also don't want the the headlights on a on a rhino or something to just be the same base color as everything else. So yeah, yeah. What's what's a good way to to, to paint up the the searchlights? So I'll do, I'll give you two real two different ways. One's really quick, and one's obviously a bit more detailed uh, and takes a bit more time. So the first one, really really uh, good way good way of doing it. If you just if you're a big fan of the airbrushes, you're gonna love this. Literally get some uh, some white ink, some flat white ink from Tamiya. Um, obviously dilute that down with the Tamiya thinner. What you want to do is obviously just Use a really good uh, blast of it from the airbrush and really control blast, obviously, to focus that that lighting effect on the light specifically. And um, we're going to do that with uh, with obviously the the bright white. Um, and then what you do is just pick a really strong ink or even contrast paint or uh, that you can put through the airbrush, and then you're just going to go over that white bright white. And what you're going to try and do is focus the brightness on the light with the white when you first do it with the Tamiya, 
you're going to try and do that centrally. So the brightest area or brightest point is going to be in the center of the light and it's going to fan out and graduate outwards from there. When you then put that tint or that filter layer over the top with the contrast or the ink or whatever it is that you want to put over the top of it, I definitely would recommend it's a translucent sort of like liquid, so like an ink. Um, that's going to naturally make the center brightest of that point and it's going to tint it completely to the color of the light that you want. So you can do yellow, green, orange, like any color you like at all whatsoever over the top of that, that sort of like uh, white that you've done with the airbrush. That's a really quick way. The other way of doing it is obviously with a brush. Um, and again, what we're going to do is block in the whole light with, uh, with the, the, the first color. Uh, and what we're going to do is we're going to start with a mid-tone. Uh, shade the whole thing down slightly just so it's a bit, bit, uh, a little bit uh, darker. Uh, and then we're going to reapply the mid-tone in the center of the light, just leaving a perimeter of darker area around the outside. We're then going to boost that color again, do a smaller circle within that, and then boost the color again, smaller circle with it. And you can do that several, several times until you're really, really bright and you're reducing the circles down incrementally. You don't want the jumps in color to be really massive because you want it to be very subtle, the way that it focuses the brightness and looks like the bright brightness is focusing to the center of the light. And then finally, we're going to put a tiny, tiny, tiny off-white dot in the center so that it looks like it's fanning out from that central point. And that'll give you a really centralized glow effect on that light. Takes a bit more time, obviously, because it's done with a brush as opposed to an airbrush, but it's really good for practicing control of the tip of your brush and placing pigment exactly where you need it on that miniature. Um, so, yeah, so hopefully that answers that one. Two ways to do lights, one quick and both fun. Very cool. All right. Thanks, man. No worries. Uh, we will talk. talk to you next week. Yeah. See you next week. All right, ladies and gentlemen, we are back. Um, I have been starting to get a couple of rules lawyer questions in on the uh, community Facebook page. Um, I need to sit down with Steve sometime soon so I can answer some of those, but we, I've, I've got three so far. Go ahead and keep listing the questions there, guys. We will start getting to them because now we're starting to get enough games on our belt. We can start answering, or at least Steve and, and, and Jake and Mike are, so they can start answering some of these questions. So we will get those um, answers to you guys in short order. Um, in the meantime, uh, that wraps it up for the AdMech uh, Index Card Review. Uh, much appreciated for your time and your attention. Um, Jake and I are obviously very excited to be back and talking about these 10th edition indices. Uh, so are Steve and Mike. Steve is obviously anxious to come back on and talk about um, Blood Angels and a couple of his other favorite factions. Uh, he's very excited about Grey Knights. Oh, yeah. um, we actually <laughs> already recorded a Grey Knight episode and then there was a technological issue. And so it was entirely lost. And so we have to do it all over again, which is kind of a bummer, but it is what it is. So, um, and obviously, like I mentioned uh, previously, releasing we are releasing these episodes somewhat out of order. So uh, tune in next time to find out what will be a surprise to all of us as to what episode <laughs> I can uh, get get edited and uh, or what our editor can get edited and what I can get uploaded next. Uh, so, but until then, this is Dave Colmel for Jake Harding and all of Vanguard Tactics saying, the future's not set. There's no fate but what we make for ourselves. Take care.